ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Neighborish Livecast. I'm Super Dave, aka Mr. Incredible, and with me, as always, uh, uh, via voice only, is <laughs> my co-host. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm just letting you know, letting everybody know that she's here. Even though you know you might not see her, she's here. Uh, she's an IT professional and purveyor of love, life, and positivity among uh, throughout the universe. The one and only Aisha Green. How are you this morning? Hey, David. Good morning. How are you doing? Well, you hear that radio voice? Hey, David. <laughs> Hello, David. <laughs> that's that radio. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. Did, did you uh, Did you have a good week? Uh, I did. It was an amazing week. Um, you know, we no longer have Donald Trump as the president, so that's outstanding. Yeah, yeah we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's good, man. That's good. So that, that was what made it amazing? Oh, definitely was, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree, 100%. Mind, yeah. Yeah, and we have a awesome show for you today because our guest today is a good friend of the show. She's also a practitioner of one of the most noble professions. As a doula, she provides education assist and assistance to women and families uh, leading up to and through the process of uh, pregnancy and birthing. Uh, welcome, Erin Clark. How you doing? Hello, hello again, Dave. Yes, it's always a good time when you're uh, in the building or you know our proverbial building here that we're created. I'm always happy to be Zoom. here with you guys. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. Um, no problem. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about today, a lot going on because you're also a teacher. And as you mentioned, uh, this, the kids are going back to school next week. So it's a lot that we got to get into and unpack. But first, it's a lot of things. Godspeed. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but first, there's a lot of things going on in the city, in the country, in the world that we need to talk about. And uh, we're going to talk about it right now. Uh, I want to start with, uh, like Aisha said, uh, last week on Wednesday, uh, January 20th was, of course, Inauguration Day. Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala, uh, Kamala I want to say it right, because I was in Kamala, it's Kamala. Joe Kamala, Biden and yeah. Kamala Harris were inaugurated uh, President and Vice President of the United States. Um, the ceremony uh, was a lot different than a lot of the inaugurations that we've seen due to, you know, of course, uh, COVID concerns and then also security concerns following um, a lot of the craziness that happened uh, leading up to it. So, uh, but but I think they did a good job of keeping everything uh, to a certain extent uh, uh, normal, you know, as, as normal as possible. I liked how they did the flags uh, since they couldn't have the people, you know, there, they put the flags out to represent the folks um, in, in attendance. And, you know, it was, it was good to see a lot of the, uh, you know, Obamas showed up and uh, I'm, it was funny to see uh, yeah, a lot of people have been talking about uh, George Bush and how he always seems to find his way to Michelle Obama whenever they're in a room together. He always, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, the what is it about? of white men with black women. Yeah, it's like, a, it's, that's, it's that's a, a thing. Good. It really is a thing, isn't it? It's like, uh, you know, and I mean, it, it goes the other way too, because they talk about, um, you know, black women and, uh, I'm sorry, um, um, black men and white women also, but uh, you know, this is just an example of that other side of that coin. So it's interesting. Um, uh, before I get into too much about it, I want to get you guys' opinion. Uh, I'm start with you, Aaron. What did you think of the, Did you get to watch the inauguration and movie? So opinion? I was actually in Mexico. Um, oh, okay. And actually, so I, I had I had just gotten back from Mexico when um, the inauguration happened. Um, I saw the lead up 
to it. So I saw, I saw them, like, shut DC down. Right. Where, like, yeah. it just became, like, a thing where the bridges are closed, and this is closed, and that's closed. Um, so my personal opinion about this whole thing, I'm going to channel our friend. Um, so it was crazy to me that, like, we had, like, the beginning of, like, a racial civil war. And then at the end of the racial civil war, we are celebrating this white man becoming president. So it's like, <laughs> hooray, there's another white man who's president. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> it, it just became very um, interesting to watch the lead up and how, like, we are protecting this white man at all costs because he is our savior. We are so excited. <laughs> but, don't, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they finally, you know, did something about the crazy whites that were coming into the city acting crazy. So, you know, thank you for doing that. Um, but other than that, that's all I got. Okay. <laughs> all right, it. we're going to put a pin in that and circle back around to it. Come on. I want to get Aisha's opinion. Did you watch? Were you able to watch the inauguration? And what did you think of the ceremony? Uh, I didn't watch the actual inauguration because, you know, um, I was working. So there's that. Um, but I did watch the after inauguration celebration that they had, you know, the virtual celebration. Um, and yeah, I mean, if nothing else, liberals know how to party, you know. <laughs> they put on a good show. Huh? Yeah, they put on a good show. I was like, that right there is why, because I was teasing my mom. I was telling her, I said, you know, if this was like Republican driven, you would have heard we're coming to America about a hundred times. And and I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. Yeah, they love that song. You heard that about six times. Um, I said, but you know, that's why you need the LGBTQ community and people of color, because, you know, we add all the flavor, all the zest, all the, um, you know, joie de vivre to everything we touch and do. So, yeah, kudos to liberals for uh, letting brown people. What I will say, mm -hmm. but those peacoats, if you didn't yeah. go out and buy a peacoat after the inauguration, you didn't do it right. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, Michelle, Joe, Jill, Jill, they all had like tailor made peacoats made for this thing. And it's like, where are y'all getting these coats from? I want one. Marshall, they get them from, uh, I mean, Ross, they get them from Noms. You can't buy these coats at Marshall's. These are, these, I watch the designers make them. Like, yeah. these are not like, you can't get these coats in Burlington. They're not right, right. Yeah, they're not in Burlington. They're right there. That, that deep wine coat that Michelle had on, honey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, they were saying that the purple was supposed to be indicative of the blending of the red and the blue, kind of like getting away from the division that's been, um, um, you know, pushed upon us for the last four years. Yeah. Um, the division didn't just start four years ago. Well, I mean, but more heavily, you know, you can people were emboldened. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Definitely, the division's always been there, and there's that. It's just been pointed out a little bit heavier. Right, right. So um, I can't, uh, I can't. We can't talk about the inauguration and not talk about the star of the inauguration, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders. Yeah, so his meme, and uh, you know they've been memeing him to death, man. They had everything from sitting with the Sopranos to sitting with the Seinfeld cast to sitting with the Wu Tang Clan. Everything. Some of the memes are really funny. Uh, some of them a little abstract, and I'm like. But you know, some of them are really good, really well done. And Bernie's a genius. Like he he took the meme, put it on a sweatshirt, sold it for forty five dollars, sold out in the first what two days. 
and took all the proceeds and gave it to Meals on Wheels in the uh, state that he's a senator for. And so that's kind of dope, you know, uh, and that's, you know, why people love Bernie. He's, he's a smart, awesome dude. I don't, you know, I, I feel like he was sitting there thinking, you know, I still should have been the, the nominee. It should have been me. But, uh, yeah. What did you say, Aaron? Yeah. He was sitting there thinking, I don't really like it, so I don't want to be here. Oh, really? You think he, was, you yeah. think he ain't want to be there, right? He had a look on his face like, I'm here. What do y'all want? Right. I showed up. So I got right, right. I can give you. Showing off them mittens. They had a... So a, woman, a woman, like I think Vermont, made those mittens for him. Right. Yeah. And I gave him them the gift. He's been wearing them for like three years. Quintessential Bernie. Quintessential uh, a Jewish person, you know, they like really, you know, they, you know Bernie, they, Bernie is about that life. Like, Bernie, he's about that, you know, climate change, saving resources. He's real about it. Like, he's not going to show up in some fancy suit. He right, came right, with right. Clothes, regular pants, and all right, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I saw one meme where they had him sitting in the tub with, uh, with Prince on the uh, Dove's Cry video, and he was like, dig if you will, my mittens. And that was that, like, for me, that was the one. That was the one that won it, you know, <laughs> between that one and the, uh, the Wu-Tang one. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to uh, also talk a little bit about, uh, we lost some pretty significant people in the past week. Um, veteran talk show host and, and interviewer, legendary interviewer Larry King passed away. Um, his show, Larry King Live, was on from 1985 to 2010 for 25 years. Uh, it was the longest running talk show, uh, the longest running show that's been hosted by one person. Uh, he passed away on the 23rd of COVID. He did, he did you know, some, some pretty legendary interviews um, during his career. People like, you know, the, there's the memes of, of him or the, uh, you know, videos of him interviewing Seinfeld when they, when they went back and forth. Uh, one of my favorite uh, that's kind of underrated was Cat Williams. Because uh, Larry King really had a way of bringing, like, of, of getting to the soul of a person, really expressing who the person was. And he really did that well, I think. In the midst of all his craziness, he did this interview. And the true, like, his true wit and comedy, I think, uh, Larry King had asked him, you know, he does these questions that he always asks. And one of them was, if you're stranded on a desert island with someone, with only one person, who could it be? And he was like, a good swimmer. And I was like, that's hilarious. You know, that's so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you post that? I reposted it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I saw. I like, I, I was, I saw it on your page. I was like, this is hilarious. Hilarious, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, man. He, um, and I'm sorry. What did you say? I said, cat looked good. He looked like he was, you know, sober. Yeah, at that time. Yeah, at that moment, because I've seen some other interviews where he was looking kind of rough. But uh, but you know, uh. But he's a funny dude, you know, and, uh, you know, like I said, Larry King really showed that side of him. Um, one of the people who, who we've had on a couple of times, uh, one of my good friends, Brian Birch, who's a, a videographer for CNN, uh, worked with uh, Larry King, and he posted uh, the day that he left uh, his show in D.C., and he showed them taking down the set and all of that and how he was there and stuff and just talked about um, how immensely talented Larry King was at his job and how it was good working with him. So, um, you know. Uh, interesting, interesting white dude who passed away, and uh, and also of course um, baseball legend Hank Aaron, uh, Henry Louis Aaron, American baseball player, right fielder who played 23 seasons in uh, the uh, in Major League Baseball from 1954 to 1976. 21 of those seasons he played with the Braves, who were both in Milwaukee and Atlanta. 
Uh, he currently holds records for the most all-star selections, which is 25, and shares the record for the most all-star games played in, which is 24. He shares it with Mil Willie Mays and one other person. Um, he also has a myriad of other stats, accolades, and awards, including the Presidential uh, Medal of Freedom, which was given to him in 2002 by George Bush number two. You know, back remember when the Presidential Medal of Freedom was something that people liked, you know, there was something that had honor behind it and you couldn't just buy it. Mm. But anyway, you know, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Hank Aaron, uh, you know, he, he um, passed away in his sleep on January 22nd at the age of 86. And I'm not drawing any parallels, but I will say that uh, he did receive the COVID vaccine on January 5th, but he was like Aisha and I were talking about it before the show. He was 86 years old, so there's a lot going into that, but he did receive the vaccine. And um, yeah, that, that happened. And uh, yeah, so, yeah. So, so, go ahead, Aaron. So, you got one person who died from complications of COVID and one who died after getting the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, what do you, so I, 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 you know, because I, I'm a doula, I have to go in the hospital. So I started the vaccine. Like I, I'm, I'm on dose one. My second dose is in a couple of weeks. Right. At first, I was like, I ain't doing that. You're not, you're not, you, don't, you won't get me. Right, right. Won't test, won't, won't test your medicine on me. But now I'm like, I may, I may need it. <laughs> like this may, yeah. this may be going on for another, another year. Right. And to avoid, you know, getting COVID or like giving it to other people. Because, like, your odds are getting smaller. So, like, you know, I, I now have, I, I used to have, you know, friends of friends that had COVID. Now I have friends. Right, exactly. So, like, my circle exactly. of, my exactly. odds are getting smaller and smaller. And it's like, what are you going to do? Right, right. Yeah. What choice do you have left? Yeah, I'm still kind of in that. I don't want to take it yet, boat, but I definitely understand your sentiment. Like I was saying, my girlfriend who teaches uh, kindergarten, uh, she was starting to, you know, like I said, they're talking about bringing the kids back to school. And at first she was real adamant, like, no, I'm not getting in. And now she's like, well, wait a minute. Let's, let's think about this rationally as some human beings now, you know. So, uh, uh, Isha, has your, has your um, opinion on the vaccine changed at all? Um, so, no, not really. Um, <laughs> like, I, I definitely understand it's necessary. And, um, yeah. It's not a question of if you'll get COVID. It's more so when. Um, so there's that. But uh, yeah. So being prior to certain, you know, I've had a lot of vaccinations and, and things that um, I don't, I, I just pray every day that I don't end up with some kind of foreign object and or cancer. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good on the vaccine for right now. Like I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I said, I'm still like uh kind of like okay, I just don't want to be the first. I'll wait a while and see how I look, see what happened. I'll keep keep in touch with Aaron and see how she's feeling in a couple of weeks and stuff. No, but, yeah. no, but uh but yeah, man, it's I mean you know, but uh but yeah, I mean it's 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 a scary thing. It's like which which way do you go, you know, and um like you said, it's uh it's getting you know, tighter now. They got another new strain that's showing up in, in Africa or somewhere like that, uh, along with the, the new strain that was more spreadable that showed up in in, uh, in the UK. And just uh, it's a lot going on. And uh, you know, like like you said, we had one person who passed away from COVID, from complications from COVID, and another person who passed away right after taking the uh, vaccine. So 
you know, it's still stressful times for our country, for the world, but, you know, for America, uh, who still kind of leads in COVID cases and deaths. And like you were saying, like, like we were saying before the show, the world is kind of getting back to normal and we're still struggling with this, um, you know, just for uh, some reason. <laughs> Yeah, I was reading an article that the scientists are predicting that we'll we'll end up with five hundred thousand deaths before this is like over, and I don't I don't want to be in the hundred thousand. Right. Yeah. And it's like, what are you what are you gonna do? Like, are you gonna stay in the house for another year? Yeah. Like, do you do you honestly have another year of staying in the house and like staying away from your people and not seeing your family? Listen. I, I, you know, I, I about rolled on that plane in Mexico so fast. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know, like, because the introvert in me is like, yes, I can stay in the house for another 10 years. I don't care. But, but, uh, but there's the extroverted portion of me that's like, no, I can't do that. I got to go out and be out in these streets. But, uh, but I mean, you know. I travel, babe. Like, I travel. Like, I, I three, four times a year, like, twice, three times a year, I'm in Florida. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't been to Florida. I haven't got my tan. Listen, mm-hmm. I, I'm not an introvert. And it, I it, hear it, you. It, I it's killing me on the inside. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So, yeah, man. So, uh, we, I definitely want to, um, you know, uh, talk to you some more about the vaccine, the process, and all of that, and how it went. But um, I do want to, uh, real quick, shout out um, a couple of people. Uh, first of all, today, uh, January 25th, uh, on this day in 1978, my brother was born, and uh, he's uh, my brother, and that's all I have to say. No, I'm just playing. Happy birthday, Ivan. Uh, his name's Ivan Johnson. I don't know why my parents named him Ivan. Actually, they named him after an actor named Ivan Dixon. But anyway, he's a good guy, one of my biggest fans and supporters, and uh, I'm, I'm to him his. He's um a uh, mechanic over at Midas on Central Avenue. If you know him, go by there and say happy birthday to him. Just drive by and blow the horn. Yell out the window, happy birthday. He'll hear you. He'll hear you. He's got good hearing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. What did you say, Ish? His name is Ivan? Yeah, got it. No problem. I-V-A-N. Yeah. And he's he struggled with that name for a long time. He's been everything from Ivory to Alvin to, you know, how people don't. Anyway, but yeah, but today's his birthday. I'm not going to say how old he is because he's uh, two years older than me. And uh, I make, like to make fun of him about that. But um, but yeah, happy birthday, bro. Love you. I also want to shout out um, two people just because I was telling Aaron uh, right before we came on um, that Jay's son. Stepped away from the neighbor's live cast to pursue a couple of endeavors, um, including uh, his new music that he has out right now, El Presidente, which is the second part of a three-part series that he's done, the Jason for President uh, series. Uh, it's a great collection of music. It's available now on his band camp, and I think um, a couple of different places. I'll put the links up, but you can definitely get it on the SC3 band camp. Really dope music, really great um like, you know, uh, I consider Jason a big homie. Like, I look at him like a big brother uh, also. And, uh, you know, he was like, you're stepping away. I was a little like, what? But, you know, the quality of work that's coming out of this, this hiatus that he's taking or this time that he's taking is definitely well worth it. And I appreciate it. And I'm telling y'all, go check it out. It's really dope. 
And uh, yeah, I also want to shout out my, my brother, the 151, uh, AKA uh, Rakeem uh, at the bar radio every Sunday uh, at 6 p.m. Uh, you can go to, uh, you can search at the bar radio on Facebook, but they're also on every streaming platform from Twitch, to Spotify, to iTunes, everything. You can find it. it's a dope show, it's hilarious. Uh, they talk about a lot of the stuff that we talk about and also a lot of other things. It's a great conversation. It's him, uh, um, good friend CP3, who's a uh, DC sports aficionado. Like this dude knows everything about sports in the city. And um, Lady Antoinette, who's um, a young lady who works with them also. And it's, it's a great show. Uh, y'all check it out when y'all get a chance. Shout out to my brother. Uh, and when I call him my brother, that's the homie. Um, but yeah, uh, 151. So, yeah, I just wanted to shout those people out because they're uh, cool people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So, um, I did get to see One Night in Miami last week. I did get to check it out. East, did you say you saw it? I did see it. Okay, okay, yeah. So, I'm going to get your opinion first before I venture mine. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, um, you know, it's based upon a fictional conversation that happened between Malcolm and uh Muhammad Ali and uh, Sam Cook and uh Joe uh Jim Brown is it Jim Brown yeah and um yeah I thought it was interesting just to see their perspectives um the um uh, you know I mean young Muhammad Ali as far as him and that the impact um that Malcolm had on him and his decision to become a Muslim um, you know, and just those conversations that they were having about where America was, where Black men were, um, the impact of what they could do and how they were trying to use their platform to uh, further us as a people, you know. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was well done. Okay, yeah, and I know that uh, this production actually started out as a stage play. And yes. uh, I know, Aaron, you have some background in 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 stage. And uh, have you seen the play? And have you seen the movie? I I, I watched um most of it um okay. like on the beach, but I okay. didn't I didn't like, get a chance to produce no. that. Making it, it being a play makes sense. It right. definitely it definitely seems like a play. It it definitely comes off as like a we could do this in one set play. Right, uh, right. Like, that makes a lot more that context makes a lot more sense. But what did you think? What did you think, Dave? You never thought what you, what you thought about it. Um. Well, I thought it was. Uh. You know. Uh. I like Regina King, and uh, I think that she. You know, <laughs> and I want to get the get the good stuff out of the way. I mean, and not saying that it's bad in any by any stretch of the imagination. Is definitely I can see why. You know, Rotten Tomatoes gave it such a good score, and uh, it was very well put together. But I definitely see why. Last week, uh, we had a good friend of mine, um, Ralph Cooper. He's a comedian, and he was on, and uh, he was talking about it, and he was saying, this is a fictional, and he just kept, you know, pounding that home. It's, it's a fictional depiction of what could happen, and I see why he kept saying that, because it's like, you know, there's no way to know what that conversation was. I think the only one of them that's still alive is, is Jim Brown, and uh, he's uh, last time we saw him was sitting with uh, Kanye when he went to visit Trump, right? So, uh, but I mean, not saying anything, you know, that was his decision. But I'm just saying, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was, I don't know, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of how to, a good way to put it. I deflected my opinion to you. Okay, yeah, yeah, I saw. I deflected. I was like, no, not me. Like I say, as a movie, and like you said, as an adaptation of a play. 
Um, I, I thought it was it was well done as as that for what it was. But as a, the, the the issue that I have with things like this, things like the movie Harriet, things and different things is that when people see movies like this, they take this as a historical document, regardless of how much you say it's a fictional thing, because it's based on real people and real events. And so you have to be careful with the content that you place in it and the con like the, the intricacies, which you couldn't possibly know. So it's, it's tough to do, but, you know, for what it was, you know, it was it's quality work. I suggest everybody go out and check it out just to support these great actors. Um, I do agree with the assessment that the guy who, who played uh, Malcolm did a good job. All of them actually did a really good job. Leslie Odom is a monster. Like I saw, like <laughs> uh, the Hamilton was dope. And uh, and his portrayal uh, of Sam Cooke, like his vocal, like the work that he did to match his vocals is spot on. So uh, Leslie Odom Jr. is, is, is a beast. And uh, yeah, that's my assessment there. Yeah. I will always respect Regina King and will never say anything bad about her. So I, I, like I said, I watched most of it. Okay. I didn't quite finish it because I was like, okay, I'll do this later. All right. I <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, no, you know. But the actors were amazing. Like, yeah, the, the played Malcolm X, the guy who played uh, Muhammad Ali, even Muhammad Ali's, um, I don't want to say sidekick, manager, but the, the guy who Jamie Foxx played in the Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did a better job than Jamie Foxx. Well, you know, Jamie did. <laughs> I don't know. He did a better job than Jamie. Jamie's okay. Jamie, Jamie depiction of him was comical, but this guy did a better job. So, okay. okay. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. I, it's tough to watch people do uh, Muhammad Ali just because he was such a big, he had so much uh, a character in life that anybody who portrays him, it starts to feel like a caricature. Like when you're trying to do the voice and stuff like that, it's like, you know, so, so that's tough. But the guy, he did a good job, though, I think, because it's more about how you, um, for acting, I feel like it's more about how you do it. Anybody can act angry or upset or, you know, the, the, the volatile emotions. But when you're just having a conversation, if you can still capture, like uh, like Jamie Foxx and Ray or um, uh, Denzel when he did Malcolm X, like to capture those intricate conversations and things like, and still be able to capture the essence of the person, um, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough to do. So, But I think I think he did an all right job, an okay job. Uh, you know, I get a movie overall, a, a B, a solid B. You know, <laughs> uh, I see your reaction, Aaron. You know? I didn't say anything. <laughs> okay, no, but your, your face said a whole lot, though. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say a word. But what I will say, back to what you said about Malcolm X, is that I, for me, if you're if you're gonna play Malcolm X and you're not Denzel Washington, it's not gonna work. Like it just it takes a lot of work for people to mentally get past seeing Malcolm X as Denzel Washington. Right, like right, he, yeah. when he did that. It, 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 that, that is Malcolm X. Like, right, exactly. To people, that is Malcolm X. Right, right. And even though he was <laughs> a lot darker than Malcolm, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You watch him a lot. That's how good of a performance is. You got past that quickly, too. You know, so. And that, that's, you know, the uh, that's indicative of his performances. I still haven't seen his new movie. Uh, is it out yet? Do you know his movie that's on HBO Max? Which movie? No. All the little things? I don't I saw the advertisements, but I don't think it's out yet. Okay, yeah, I definitely want to see that. And um yeah, uh just and, and just waiting on to see how they're gonna do this next uh Black Panther that we talked about last week. They announced that they are writing another one. 
to keep the story going, but they're not going to recast the role of uh, of T'Challa because it's the same kind of sentiment. It's like if you see that role and you don't see Chadwick, it's like this is a knockoff. This is not the real thing. This is like you know. But uh, so yeah. Um, I don't know if either of you guys. We talk a lot about like the versus uh, battles on this show. I don't know if either of you uh, saw. Uh, so I've heard a lot of bands, so I didn't, because they're not like, you know, big artists for me, um, Ashanti and Keisha Cole, but I heard that it was a, a tough situation. I heard that she was real, that uh, Keisha Cole was real late, and uh, yeah, that they, she had a rocky situation. Did you think you guys check it out? <laughs> Ish, did you see it? I, I, um, I was waiting for you to go, I couldn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think she might have... Uh, she might have had to step I, I tuned away. In. I tuned in to it, um, but they were late. So, right. like, I tuned in once. I, I, I logged out. I tuned in again. They still weren't there. I, I came back again, and then Ashanti was there, but Keisha Cole hadn't, hadn't shown up. Um, when I came back, it was 40 minutes later, Keisha Cole was there. He seemed, he seemed a little off. And okay. that's I'm like, no, that I can't do it. Like, what what are y'all doing? Like, the the versus battles have like gotten us through like this quarantine and like this and like it's become like a um it's become like a, a thing that we look forward to right right them to just show up an hour late to yeah, show up yeah. do whatever like nah yeah you know, it, it's like we we let let until we can find people that we all want to see. Let's just wait. Right, right, right. That's a good point. Yeah. Let's not need to force a, a round egg into a square box. Right. Just hold on. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah. What are they singing? What are they even singing? I don't know. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't get to see it, and uh, I think um, Aisha had to uh, step away for a second. She's uh. She just uh, texted me, so, um, but that's cool, because we're about to get into this interview and get all into your personal life and everything going on with you in your world, <laughs> in the world of uh, Aaron Clark, so. Um, <laughs> that is my name, Dave, thank you for knowing I got it, yes, yes, I'm not going to say. Uh, Whoever that is. Yeah, that other lady, and you know, what's funny, I searched it on, um, on uh, uh, Instagram, and a whole lot of white women came up, and I was like, none of them. Are you and I checked them all to make sure it wasn't you, and I was like, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> I checked them all. White lady, white lady, white lady. Oh, right, right. No, not her. Right, right, right. Once she, one of them had a tan, and I was like, oh, that, nope, nope, that's not her. <laughs> but uh, sorry. All right, well, you know, I haven't changed at all. Anyway, but um, so you talked about coming back from uh, just coming back from Mexico. Uh, we talk so. The vacation, it was a vacation, right? You just took a it break? It was a vacation. Oh, okay. I actually, so right before Mexico, I had a birth, and um, I, I timed my vacation that way I could go after the birth because, you know, coronavirus. So I, had, I, was, I was at a birth, and then maybe a week later, I got on the plane and went to Mexico and just sat on a beach right. for five days, literally. Like, I woke up. I, I, I feel, so there is, there is a way to go on vacation. Safely, don't tell people. Like you can, you can, you know, wear your mask when you get on the plane. Try and tell people. I flew in Southwest. The middle seat is out, 
So okay. you like are you you may be next to people if you don't know. Like I will with my friend. My friend um got a wheelchair, so we got to get on the plane first. And he's in the front, safely up front. And then, you know, we get off, get a swim out at your hotel. That way you don't have to go to the pool with the other crazy people. And then go to the beach in the morning when nobody's there. And then go back to your swim out, swim all day, enjoy your day. Nice. So when you eat the restaurants, you eat the ones that are outside. Okay. That's it. Yeah. yeah and I came home and tested negative a couple times. Life is good. Life is good. Yeah, that's the that's the blessing. I know, like you said, a lot of people were worried about, you know, um, you coming back and, and what the implications were. But like we were saying before the show started, it's really like the United States that's been like uh, more had more of an issue with it than other places. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. So um, I was thinking about, uh, you know, how COVID, how the whole thing, the whole outbreak started around with March of last year. Yep. And now it's January. So I was wondering if there was a spike in business, in the doula business. Because, I mean, you know, a lot of people have been quarantined. They've been in the house. Actually, the spike is here. We are here in the spike. We are in the middle of the spike. Right. I, um, I'm getting a lot of calls for people that are doing June, doing July. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, the quarantine. That's it, huh? Quarantine, um, baby. Quarantine babies. Quarantine babies are going to be a thing. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, and I will say this to everyone watching. You need a doula. Um, you do. And people, like, you know, when I interview with people, I I tell them the price sometimes in the interview or I tell them, like, an email after the interview, and they'll, they'll, it'll throw them off. And I'm like, I promise you, I am worth it. Um, just the experience, the difference in experience that you get when you have a doula and when you don't is, is, is drastic. Um, I got an email you know, I can't really, you know, get into the details, but I got an email um, from someone who has already given birth, and they want postpartum support, and they're talking about, like, just the trauma that happened during her birth, and now she wants me to, like, come in and, like, just be, like, her her sister and take care of her and the baby and, you know, doula her afterwards, and I'm like, sure, I'll do that. If this woman had had a doula, her experience would have been totally different. Okay. The traumatic things that happened to her. Like, the, the, the respect that the hospital staff gives you is different when you walk in with someone who knows. Right. You say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. So, hold on, before you before you get into that, for people who didn't see the show last time, can you explain a little bit what a doula is and what exactly it is you do? Sure. I'm a doula. Hi. Um, a doula is um, someone who assists you in the preparation period and your actual birth and your postpartum period. So doulas are full of knowledge. Like we understand how your body works, how the baby is growing. We understand the positioning of the baby in your body. And our job is to prepare you for birth. Now, if you want to do a natural, unmedicated birth, don't say natural, it's not nice. Um, If you want to do an unmedicated birth, we can assist you. If you want to do a medicated birth, we can assist you. If you're getting a cesarean section, we can assist you. Because there's so much information that the doctors have to download onto you in the 15 minutes that they meet you. And you're, you're never going to get everything you need to make informed decisions. So doulas help you to make informed decisions when you go into the delivery room and leading up to that process and afterwards. Um, the, maternal, the, the, the maternal health crisis in the U.S. is happening because people aren't informed about their bodies, about what's happening with the baby, and women are dying. Like they die after they do the hospital because they don't know. 
like this bleeding isn't normal, like this, the fact that I'm in pain isn't normal. Um, actually, my last birth, um, there was an issue with pain. And the, the, my, my client kept saying to the nurse, like, hey, I'm in pain. This hurts. I'm in pain. I'm in pain. This hurts. I'm in pain. And, you know, they changed shifts. So, you know, the second or third nurse that came in and kept saying to them, I am in pain. And they kept saying to her, well, we'll just turn this up for you. We'll turn your epidural up. Or we'll do this for you. But they never resolved the issue. And it's like, I kept saying to my client, this is how people die. This is how it happens. Because okay. you say to them, I'm in pain, they say to you, you're fine. And without, like, a doula or someone who is, like, informed about, like, the risk of what's going on with you, this is how people die. It happens all the time where they, they believe that black women are some sort of strong oxen that can withstand pain forever. And you'll be right. fine. Go ahead. You're fine. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And, and you brought up a, a good point and a question that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, we talked before when you were on here about the uh, uh, the disparities or the discrepancies in the quality of care uh, between uh, black and white people, and um, and that conversation has become uh, you know more critical, has come to the forefront more with the uh, whole COVID situation. Um, would you do you think it's getting any better? Or is it too soon to say uh, what the effects of the conversation that's come about from COVID? Um, has had, what effects that's had on, like, the medical community and how they uh, address the quality of care? Um. Okay. So, do I think it's getting better? Not yet. Uh, I think I think people are talking about it more. Um, I don't know if you know, but um, Kamala, she is, like, pushing this bill uh, about maternal, maternal health, and, like, she's got a lot of different things that she's trying to get done maternal health. There's also, like, the doulas in America have been trying to get doula care approved for health insurance for years. Mm. That's coming. So soon, I think right now you can use your, um, like, your flexible spending to pay your doula. But it's coming where your insurance will cover your doula expenses because everyone needs a doula, period. Um, I think the thing that is, is really helping the people to understand the disparities um, in the health community, in the world, in the law community, is what happened at the Capitol, where these white people stormed the Capitol and did not get shot. Like, if that had been us, it would have been a wholly different thing. So yeah. when you compare that now to the health community, and you have a woman, a black woman, who is saying to you, I'm in pain, this hurts. And you have a white woman who says, I'm in pain, this hurts, and you want to fix it for her, instead of, oh, you're fine. Like, you can now, you can now compare, you can say, okay, so understand that this woman is saying she's in pain, but if you were a white woman, you would treat her differently. It's yeah. the same thing with the capital situation. Like, if these were, if these were black people, you would have shot them dead. You right. have, you've done it before. We've seen you do it before. Right, yeah. These are white people, and you're, you're, you're stepping back, and you're going, hey, don't do that, guy. Hey, get down off of there. Sir, please. Right. Huh? Yeah, yeah. That is, that was, uh, you know, that whole situation was definitely hopefully a wake-up call to some people. I do, I do feel like um, that there are always going to be some people, like when you were describing the situation with the nurses, I can see how there would be nurses that say, oh, no, I'm just doing my job. I, I don't treat anybody because, you know, uh, the, the bias is so implicit and so just like uh, natural that they don't even realize the difference 
until it's pointed out to them. And even then, they, they'll push back against it and say, well, no, no, I just, well, she, she was not saying the same thing or something of that nature. So uh, it, it's such a tough just uh, situation to, first of all, prove to even begin to start to to make changes for but like you said the conversation about it is, is definitely picking up and that's where where that whole thing starts um so uh as a doula you know and uh, so I, w I was gonna ask you but i see you have teacher aaron behind you if you're still teaching i teach online so you teach online? Okay. i used to be a teacher in um in school i used to work for dkps i used to work for charter schools and um right before the pandemic i i stepped away and said i've had enough i cannot decision to open schools back and you were saying what in the next week or so in the next two weeks or so they're talking about uh bringing the schools back and um you know it's it's uh it's a tough decision um uh, it's hard to understand well it's not hard to understand the rationale it's hard to believe that nobody uh with common sense is like maybe we should hold off like you were saying until the vaccine makes more of a um you know, more of the rounds, if it's going to do what everyone's saying it's going to do and be, you know, this cure that we need, why not just give it that time? Um, uh, there, there are a couple of arguments out there about the difference in um, the ability to learn online and things of that nature, which, I mean, you know, I hear it. It's, it's a tough, it's a learning curve, but I mean, I think that kids adjust to things a lot better you know, and are able to pick up things um, a lot quicker. Like I, I work in IT, so I deal with a lot of adults who have a really hard time adjusting to uh, working from home and just understanding like, you know, um, networks and things of that nature. But I think kids, once you show them, and I like my nephew is a perfect example, like uh, it didn't take him very long at all to catch on to, you know, uh, even like uh, the, the processes of connecting to, uh, you know, um, or Zoom and different things like that, things that like a lot of adults are having a lot of trouble with, you know. So, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, it's you live on screen. You're, you're you're trying to convince me that kids who live on TV screens or live on screens can't learn from a screen. I, I don't believe you. Yeah. I don't believe you. Kids, 
they, they are smart. They're smart. Uh, smart boards in every classroom. Like when I was a teacher, half of what we did was on the screen or some some way interactive because that's what they do at home. It's got to be interactive anyway. So you're telling me that they not they're not learning on on Zoom. I I don't believe you. I I, I believe it's something else that you're trying to convince me of because kids are adjustable and they adapt. So they are learning, but for some reason you think that they have to be in the building. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to ask you, um, I wanted to ask you, this is a little off script, but um, I feel like it has a lot to do with the attitude around school. Like, and for instance, so um, I used, when I used to work at Safeway, um, there was a, a young lady who came in and uh, she was trained by a person who didn't want to be there and didn't like their job. And so that training, uh, uh, the, the, the attitude that she put into training was the attitude that that person then had about the job. And, and every day it was, oh, I hate this job. People are stupid and all this. And I mean, for the most part, a lot of people don't really think and they you know, do dumb stuff, but your attitude affects a lot of how you perform. And, you know, and uh, so I feel like the attitude that uh, adults had toward distance learning and because before it even really started, a lot of people were like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And I've got to work and all this. And so, and I mean, I think the kids pick up on that. And so I think that that affects in a lot of ways the way they take, you know, discipline and school as a whole. Like I always try to, um, you know, I don't have any kids, but with my nephew, I always try to present school as like a positive thing, as a fun experience. Because, you know, uh, when parents don't, treat it like that it definitely shows in the kids uh willingness or or their desire to go to learn to stay there to be attentive to do their best you know and so i think that that has a lot more to do with it than you know them not understanding the technology dave going from going from in-person teaching to online teaching is a big deal like you you have teachers that have been teaching for 10 15 5 two years and they they have been reliant on stuff so like You'll have your centers, you'll have your worksheets, you'll have, and you mean people plan out their stuff for the year, and you do the same thing over and over again. Right. You now have to go to a digital platform where you need to be the thing. Like, right. you don't have anything. You, you are the thing. Like, you are, like, when I went from, like, in-person to, <laughs> you, right. you are the thing. Like, what, what kids see is, is you and how you're animated or, like, you know, your, your props. Or whatever. Right, right, yeah. You got it. You're the thing. Yeah. Go from having things to being the thing is, is is new and different. And who wants to do that? Right. Yeah. Who wants to now have to reinvest all of their, you know, their their money that they use for their students anyway? Mm-hmm. Now, to like props and you know things. That right. You, yeah. You know, now now you to teach kids. You know, right. You keep them engaged. Right. right. To engage exactly, you got you got to change how you teach and how you think about education, which is what the education system needs anyway. Right, right. I digress. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I was gonna ask what you. Uh, so I, I guess I'll start with teaching. I'll break it up into two because I mean these are the two professions that you um that you are in. Now start with teaching. Like, what do you love about teaching? Like, what do you what is the most? What do you enjoy most about teaching? I always say that um I, I love the the aha moment. Um, when you have a kid that doesn't get it, and you can tell they don't get it, but they're just looking at you like, 
Right. <laughs> and it's like, then you do something, or you show them something, or you, like, give them some example, and they go, oh, oh, I get it. Like, I, I that part of teaching is what motivates me to keep doing it. So, I actually, I teach online. I teach kids in um, China. Uh, in, I, teach, I teach kids in China English in the morning, and then in the, like, the mid-morning afternoon, I teach adults in Turkey, uh, Saudi Arabia, the UAE. I have a Ukrainian woman that teaches English. Um, in, anywhere in the world, I have I had a, I had a Ugandan man last week who I taught English. Um, people in Colombia who I teach English, and it's all it's all about that aha moment and like when they start to progress that uh-huh. that makes me like you know it encourages me to keep teaching. That's dope. That's dope. So wait, you you know all those languages though? You can speak. No, all? I teach English. I teach them English. I teach them full immersion English. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, you know, using your hands, using props, you know, making your language a lot slower and a lot, you know, more space apart, and like curriculum, mm-hmm. and you know, I teach English. That's dope. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And so uh, now, from the doula side of it, like, what do you love about that profession? Like, what keeps you doing it? I love I love a lot about being a doula. Um, I love the information side of it. I love um, I love the relationships that I build with family. So it's like I meet you, and maybe a week later we're best friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's nice. great how close you become because it's a very intimate and vulnerable time having a baby. And like I, I get invited to like birthday parties, like Zoom mm-hmm. birthday parties. I, I get invited to people's Zoom birthday parties, and I'd be like, I want to come, but I am literally in the middle of a birth. Right, right, right. Party because I am still doing this work with another family. Um, I I love the community. The community, like, there's lots of, like, um, Facebook groups where we talk about birth, and we kind of, like, talk about the things that we see in hospitals and how people are being, how people are being mistreated and what you can do to prevent that from happening. Um, I, I love the sisterhood. I'm actually I'm actually going to a training this weekend in person in South Carolina. Don't get me started. <laughs> I'm going. It's a, it's a really important training about like how babies descend into the pelvis and how to get them to descend a little quicker and the science behind it. So it's a really important training. But it is it is in person and I'm going to have like two masks. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta double up some time on them. So, so you talked about like uh, being a just being a wealth of information for women, um, and that you know, um, and one of the most you know, um, uh, but the times when they feel like the most helpless and like they know the least, and so uh, that's a beautiful thing. What are some of the things that um, that you find that a lot of women just don't know about the birthing process, things that you, you know, have to see, though, things that are surprising to them, not just that they don't know, but like, oh, I didn't, I really didn't know that. Um, one thing I find that people don't know is that they can say no. Mm. So when the doctor comes in and says, okay, so we want to do this, you can say no. You can say no, I don't want to do that. And the doctor, like, at first will be like, what? Like, but you don't have to do what they're telling you to do. Right. If you if you know what's best for you and you know that some of the stuff that they do in birth is just pointless. Like they, they give they give the kids um a shot to prevent them from getting HP 
HPV, like um, hepatitis, hepatitis. But it's only if the mother has it. So the only way that the baby can get it is if the mother has it. But they give everybody the shot. Like they, they do things to, like they, they do things in birth that are based off of diseases from 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. That, 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 and they, they, they make it sound like, oh, you need this because um, you, you could, the, baby could, the baby could do this. But can the baby really do that? Really? Like, mm-hmm. are you sure? That doesn't make sense. So uh, I, I literally, true story, I explained to a doctor the importance of the placenta and the mother consuming the placenta after birth. Um, it's, it's a new thing that, you know, more people are, are getting into placenta encapsulation. A friend of mine does it, and, like, I encourage my clients to do it. They, they take your placenta, they dehydrate it, they make it into a pill form, and you take it every day. And it prevents, it does so many things. It prevents um, postpartum depression. It helps your milk supply. It balances your hormones. I know, Dave, but think about it. Think about Not it. Got a bunch of questions, but I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> Dave, but... Think about it. What animal do you know that does not eat their placenta? I didn't know animals eat their placenta. Yes. Yes, they do. Animals, and, and you know, people will say, oh, the animals, they eat their placenta because um, they, they don't want predators to smell them. No, they eat their placenta because that's what they naturally do because the placenta helps them to feed and nourish the baby. The placenta helps them manage your hormones. So, like, that, those, those two weeks after you give birth and you're crying for no reason, you eat the placenta? You're good. It gives you energy to keep going because you are exhausted after giving birth. There's so many benefits to placenta encapsulation. And the doctor, as as they were putting the placenta in like a container for you to take it home, the doctor says to me, well, what does that do? And I'm like, you don't know? So, is there, so, but I mean, so there's there's like medical research out there that talks about the benefits of, of ingesting the placenta. And so... <laughs> Because like uh, so uh, like you said like you said dry it and uh, grind it up and put it you taking a pill form as opposed to like after the bird just you know that. No one's asking you to grab the placenta and bite a piece of it. No one's asking you to do that. You could. People people use placentas like very wealthy people use placentas like for um for facial. I've heard of that. You know, and that's you know what is it the stem cells. They've been using our placenta, like, so, you know, you leave your placenta at the hospital, and you don't know what to do with it. They just take it, and they say, oh, it's already away. No, they don't. They use it for T-cells. The placenta, oh, my goodness. The placenta is all the things. It is all the things, and it can solve all the problems, and we just leave it behind, like, oh, we don't need it. And I know, I know that for, um... Hi, she's back. Hi, how you doing? Hi, <laughs> yeah, I'm back, David. So I know blood cord banking um, when I was in the hospital, you know, 10 years ago. So that was like a big thing to like from your pregnancy to save that blood for like if you needed it. Um, because those were, like you said, the stem cells and you could use it for like cancer, um, things of that nature. And I don't know if that's still a thing that they promote. But, uh, but no, she said ingesting the placenta is, is necessary. And oh, I was yeah. grilling her about that because it sounds like uh, something from a movie that I've seen. No, you should. Like, they take it in, you're supposed to powder it and make it in, like, pill. That's what she was saying, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying you're wrong because I know you're the doula and you have it. But this is why people like me, me, I don't know nothing about eating a placenta. 
but uh, but yeah, that's that. See, it's little things like that that like. Uh, well, I don't know if that's a little thing, but anyway, it's things like that that uh, you know that like you said make the the uh, profession of a duelist so necessary. Uh, when because uh, it's, it's things that I don't think because I don't know of anybody who just would naturally think to do that or have the just you know after the birth just look at the placenta like you know what. Take it with us. Right, right. I will add that most people should know that the, the takeaway here, like if you're not ready to take the placenta home with you, that's fine. What you should know is that don't plant the cord immediately after the baby is born. So mm-hmm. one thing that I preach all the time is that when your baby is born, give the cord at least five minutes. The doctors will tell you one or two. Give it five. Give the baby that five minutes of being attached to the cord, the, the, the blood in the cord, literally, once it goes into your baby, that is the amount of iron they need for a month. Wow. That blood in the cord is the amount, like the nutrients in that cord can prevent so many things. So if you wow. have a birth with a midwife, if the baby's having trouble breathing, or if the baby is like, comes out with like complications, they leave the baby attached. That way, it, 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 it's still getting the oxygen. It's still getting the blood that it needs from the cord and the placenta to stay alive. Mm. Uh, at the hospital, they, you know, I had a situation where the baby was born with plutonium, which is like that first poop that come out all weird and nasty. The first thing doctors want to do is disattach them from the, from the placenta. Don't do that. <laughs> Leave them attached. If they're having trouble breathing, they need the oxygen from the placenta. Like, They've been breathing all this time on the placenta. There's no reason to take away their oxygen supply now. Mm. Why, why would you just attack them? So the takeaway, the one thing that people should know, take away from this, when the baby's born, leave the cord attached. For at least five minutes. At least five minutes. If you don't want to do full lotus and leave the baby attached to the placenta until it falls off, that's fine. Don't do that. But at least give the baby two to five minutes of being attached to the placenta, then cut the cord. So, wait, wait. So, you can leave the baby attached until the thing just fall off? How long does that take? Yes, 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 yes. Even better. Even How long better. does that take? Um, A few days. The, the a few days? And you just kind of have to carry the baby around in this bowl of placenta, and it's very beneficial. <laughs> okay. We're learning so many new things. My mind is like exploding right now. Like I didn't see this. <laughs> it's always a good time when you're in the building. But uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, wow. You carry, so you, you carry the baby in a bowl with the the placenta and everything. David, David. Uh-huh. You carry the baby, uh-huh. and there is a bowl where the placenta uh-huh. is, and you know the placenta. Oh, okay, okay. So you you have to put some herbs and things on it that way it doesn't smell. So leave the leave the stuff attached for at least five minutes. But if you want to, you can get you a bowl and to get bring a punch bowl with you to the pregnancy and put everything in there. And uh, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but, get you a midwife and have a birth at home. So uh, yeah. And uh, you know, the last time you were on, we talked about uh, the difference between a doula and a midwife and midwifery, which is my new uh, uh, um, uh, vocabulary word. What are we, midwifery? Midwifery, but, uh, yes. 
But yeah, so what is what is a midwife? Yeah, so doulas are not doctors. We don't we don't catch the babies. We don't pull them out of you forcefully. Um, neither do midwives. But midwives are are more are, are closer to doctors. They are medical professionals. They you know are able to deliver the baby. If you care, they're able to fix you up. They're able to listen to the baby's heartbeat, diagnose you with you know any complications, to diagnose the baby with any complications, and they're able to you know give you like the they're able to give you the hospital experience at home. Mm. Um, there are, of course, situations where you're not eligible for midwifery care because you may have, like, preeclampsia or, like, high blood pressure or something, or, you know, you're, you're, you're older, you're, you have um, older maternal age, and you're not able to have a home birth. But most women are healthy enough to have a home birth and can get a midwife um, to come into your home and get birth at home, like we used to. Cool. cool. So, um, before you uh, got into, uh, which did you do first? You did teaching first, right? And then you got into being a doula. David, I was actually a dog groomer first, and then I became a, um, a videographer for DC government, and then I was a teacher, and now I am a doula. That's what I was going to ask about, like, uh, your profession. So, uh, you went through a number of professions. The question I always ask is, uh, when you were young, uh, when you were younger, and people would ask you what you wanted to be when you grow up, do you remember what you would tell people what you wanted to be? Yes. yes. What was it? Aerospace engineer. Aerospace engineer. Aerospace engineer. I wanted wow. to design, no. <laughs> design, I wanted to design planes. That's dope, and though. Listen, and, and let me tell it. I was going to be. I was going to be the best aerospace engineer you ever saw. Right. I, I just literally. I used to be able to hear plane engines. And tell you what kind of plane it was. Oh wow! Really? Like listening to like the planes go overhead, I could tell you that's a helicopter, that's like a F-15 fighter jet. Like my brother can do that with cars. You know, he's a mechanic. He'd be like, "Oh, that's a Chevy. That's a '67 Chevy convertible." We're like, "What? How do you know?" Yeah. That's crazy. And then, I, and then I went to Tuskegee University for aerospace engineering mm -hmm. and physics. Oh, you really went to college for aerospace engineering? I, I, this is my, I was going to be an aerospace engineer today. That was my thing. I, I went to Tuskegee, and I had a wonderful time. Um, it was a great, expensive hotel, and I really enjoyed it. And when I got to physics and calculus, things did not go so well. Okay. <laughs> I can't say that. Uh, which is how I was I met Jason, and I said, you know what? This engineering thing is not my thing, but this theater thing, this is my thing. Okay. I have a theater degree. You have a degree in theater. You started in uh, aerospace engineering, wound up with a theater degree. And so what drew you to teaching and then also what drew you to uh, to to being a doula? Like, what was it that made that change? Um, like, so every, time, every time I changed my career, I would, I would kind of like just think about, like, what is it you love to do? And um, actually, I have a sister that has Down syndrome. And mm -hmm. I would, she would go to school and the teacher, sometimes they wouldn't teach her. So I would be the one at home, like, teaching her. And I, I could always find creative ways to reach her and to teach her things. So I, I realized that, like, my thing, like, the thing that you're good at is teaching. So I said, okay, let's be a teacher. Um, once I got to that point in teaching where I had enough of, like, just the administration, people telling me I wasn't doing my job well, and I'm like, but I am, um, yada, 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 change the education system. Um, I, I, I stopped getting that thought, okay, what is it you love to do? And I'm like, well, one thing that I always have done 
is, you know, help my friends give birth. So even before I was a doula, I was like, my friends would get pregnant and I'd be there. Like, hey, I'm coming. And they're like, what do you think? I'm coming. Trust me. I'm coming. <laughs> so, like, it's always been something that I'd love to do. And, you know, now I can do it as a profession and I'm trained to do it and I understand the science behind it and I have all the knowledge. So everybody needs a doula. Right. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm on the uh the promotions board now. I'm telling everybody, you got a doula? Oh, you're not pregnant? I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Dave, no. I'll just yeah. Oh, you're not you're not uh right. oh uh, well keep it in mind if you ever get pregnant to get a doula. But so you talk about the wealth of knowledge, um, and that's such a huge part of, of what you do. Um, what's something that you learned, like, in the doula process? Something that either surprised you. Was it the eating the placenta? Was that it? Or you, no, I'm just playing. No, but something that's like... I'm not doing with you anymore. Um, right, but... Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think one thing that I learned... Um, I think the most interesting thing that I learned yeah. about um, birth is that your body, your body does all the things you need it to do for you. So, you know, people go into birth thinking, oh, I have to prepare, I have to do this, I have to do that. Your body does all the things you need it to do. Like, once the baby is ready to be born, it releases hormones, it releases, and, like, that's when, like, things start to separate and open up. Mm -hmm. um, once that happens, the baby starts to descend on its own, you know, as long as it's in the right position. Like, there's so many, this, the magic of birth is just, something that your body knows what to do. And we have gotten so far away from trusting our body. Mm -hmm. That's why we have so many, so many issues and complications with birth. People go into birth like being afraid, and that fear actually can like stop your labor. So like that anxiety, like that issue you're having with your partner, it can be something that slows your body down and makes labor last longer. Um, I always tell people, um, when you're having contractions, relax, because that stress, that, 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 that when you tense up your body, it makes the contraction last longer, it makes it harder, it makes it more difficult. So, like, I train people, like, going into birth, like, to relax. The harder that you relax, the better this will, this will be. Right. right. Because your first reaction is to tense up and go, oh, it hurts. Exactly. But if you are able to train your body to relax to a contraction, it is, it is, a, it is a way better experience. Now, mind you, it still hurts. But, right. But it won't be as bad for as long. Yeah, yeah, because the, the, the pain is going to be there, but tensing up, just, it's not it's not stopping the pain. And so, and it may even be making it worse. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah. So, Dave, you know, last time I was here, y'all, you know, you were, like, trying to have a baby. What's going on? How's that go? Huh? No, we can't look. Uh, I was that was a conversation we had off of air, and we can't talk about that on the air because it's, uh. Let me know when you're ready. I'll be here. We'll, we'll talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna get to yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm definitely employing your services. I don't care how much you go. I'll put you on retainer. Uh, right now, twelve dollars a week. I'm gonna hold you uh, services for uh, anyway. I'm so it's uh, uh more than that. So um. Let's see, you threw me off my questions. Don't be asking me stuff about my life. It's personal. <laughs> oh, you guys about my life. <laughs> How's that quarantine go? Listen, 
Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and, and speaking of that, uh, coming back from uh, Mexico, you did have to quarantine uh, for a while. Um, when people say here, like, I think that people get an idea of what quarantine is. They feel like it's a prison. They're going to come and bring bars into my house and keep me in one room or something. But you're just basically just hanging out in the house, right, and not being around people. Okay, so when I, because I live with my mom and my sister, mm-hmm. um, when I got back, I was in a hotel. Um, okay. Just because, like, the probably the biggest risk is the plane, because mm-hmm. you're on the plane with three people. Um, so you definitely want to quarantine for at least, like, four or five days mm-hmm. away from everybody else. Right. Um, you, you need, like, a 14-day period. Right. For five days, like, you don't know if you have COVID or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, I got tested twice. I got tested, like, right when I got back. And that, that kind of covered um, the beginning of the trip. Mm-hmm. So, if I had gotten COVID in the beginning of the trip, and that first test would have said yes or no. Mm-hmm. And then I got tested a few days after that um, to cover the end of the trip. So, you get tested twice, you save other people, and even after you test negative both times, you still need a few days to just, like, make sure that you're sure. Um, quarantine is a thing. mentioned that um that you uh got the uh back you started the vaccine process so um you know with a lot of the people uh like myself who are looking at it kind of skeptically and kind of you know starting to get more understanding of what it is there's still the whole uh there's a lot of ambiguity around the whole process so can you just talk about like you know uh what you like how you did you have to sign up for it and then go and like what was the process like relatively easy. Um, I did it on the first round when they were letting people who are health professionals do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just went on the DC website, like DC mm-hmm. coronavirus vaccine website, and it was relatively easy. Um, I like I, I, I chose like the grocery store near my house mm-hmm. and I signed up and I went the next day. I got an appointment the next day. Um, when I like posted on social media that I got the vaccine, a lot of people were like, Oh, I went online and it says all the appointments are out. And I'm like, 
I signed up yesterday. Like, I, I signed up two days ago and got today. So I don't understand. There are actually two different websites, which is weird because, like, there's one website where it's, like, all these appointments have been filled. And there's a DC website where you can just pick where you want to go and think. And secretly, you know, the government's watching, but secretly they don't ask you for evidence that you are qualified to get the shot. Mm. So, like, I had on my doula shirt, and I had, like, proof that I'm a doula, but they never asked to see it. Right. My friends were like, oh, you got the shot. I'm like, go get yours. Like, go on the website, make an appointment, and go get yours. Um, so, like, I'm, like, looking at, like, the data, um, and there's disparities in even that. Like, right. the people in Ward 1 and Ward 2 and Ward 3, they're getting their shots in, like, 7 and 8. There's, like, <laughs> the, 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 black, the black people aren't um, registering or getting their shots. It's like they're they're selling out of these, you know, appointments, and it's not going to the black and brown people. Right, right. And, you know, it, it's, I was reading an article about that and how that there's a disparity. But, you know, it was a relatively easy process. The woman at the grocery store was interesting. I won't get into that. But, you know, you get a shot in your arm, and that's it. I will get into it. So, yeah, yeah, a little bit. The three of us get the shot at the same time. There was a white guy before me and a white woman after me, and I was in the middle. And she explained everything to this white man. Like, she gave him the rundown of everything. Like, okay, stay in the store 15 minutes, have to get the shot. Um, you know, don't do this, do that. Go on the website, make your second appointment. I mean, she gave him the rundown. Mm. I was sitting outside, so I heard it. So maybe she knew I heard it, whatever. When I went in, I had none of that. Mm. And I was like, you're not going to give me any of the rundown? Like, you know, she was like, okay, well, here's your thing. Here's your card. All right, you're all set. I'm like, ooh, girl, okay. Did and this know. woman asked me, because, you know, I heard her say, wait 15 minutes before you leave. So the woman asked me, she got the feel, too. And I'm like. So was the person at the store, was, was she was white or black? or? Okay. Okay, and so did you, uh, well, I guess you, you probably you didn't mention it to her, like, why didn't you, well, yeah, that's, that's interesting, though. Because, you know, going to these hospitals, I'm used to dealing with these women who don't see their bias. They don't see it. And it's like, I'm, I don't have 30 minutes to explain to you. Did you notice that you explained everything to him and not to me? Why did you do that? Oh, well, I just assumed you hurt. No, no, your job, your right, job right. is to make sure that people understand the side effects and the risks and the rewards to this shot. That's your job. And if you're having a bad day, That's so. it seems like you just explained to him and not to me. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's so uh, you know, and like I said, the the, the fact that they're so oblivious to their own bias uh that adds to uh the disparity that adds to it uh you know um even um i want to say inadvertently on their part even though it's inadvertent it's still no less damaging right so it's like the person like um if you had didn't hear you know what she said to the guy before you and then you left in two minutes instead of 15 minutes and something happened to you would she be able to say well did you tell her did you give her the information you know, and she could try. She could probably lied. Yeah, I told everybody. I told everybody that came through. I told me, man. Right, right. Yeah. That's that's crazy, and that's um, this is a direct example of you know of of what we've been talking about. That's insane. Yeah. So, uh, wow. That's like, yeah, you uh, 
Yeah, I was there, but hey, why you ain't tell me all the stuff? You said, I heard you did a little more talking with the with the Caucasian, than the, but uh, like you said, you don't have 20 minutes to try to explain. This is what you did wrong, and this is why it's wrong, and I know you don't get it, and you're and then they'll get defensive because it's a whole thing. So it's it's tough. That's, you can't that's, reach people when they're when they're in defense. You can't. You, right. Exactly. But you, but once some people have put that wall of defense, you can't reach them. Like the situation with my client where she kept complaining about pain, it's like, this, this hurts, this hurts. Like, usually do, you don't get involved. So one thing you do is don't do, right. is we don't advocate on your behalf. So okay. we offer you with the knowledge before we go in there. That way you know, when they say this, you say this. Because right. you know what's going on. So do the we don't get involved. So if right. you the nurse, hey, this hurts, and the nurse says, oh, well, we'll turn your, your pain medication up. We sit there and go, the third time my client complains, I said, okay, look. <laughs> look. Yeah, you had to jump in. They me out. And when the doctor came in, um, I said it again. I was like, okay, so we're, the doctor, the doctor was a black woman. And I'm like, sis. <laughs> and I said to her, hey, so she's in pain. Is there anything we can do? The doctor reverted back to the nurses. And I'm like, help me. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like she didn't get it. And like she left the room quickly. And I, I look back at the nurse and like, you've got to do something. Like right. you cannot act like this is not happening. This woman keeps saying to me she's in pain. Help her. Help her. Do something that helps her. And there's so many mechanisms put in place because now they can just be like, oh, well, you're being a pushy, you know, you're being an uh, angry black woman and you just want this help. You just want, you want more than we'd give anybody else. No, I just want the same thing you would give somebody else. Have you ever witnessed white people, white women complaining? It is a beautiful thing to watch. Like, they are just, they, they just, they get so indignant. Like, how dare you? Right, right. That's, the, that's their like, wheelhouse, yeah. As black women, we don't, we don't, so we have that power. We even refer to it as, like, you know, you, you gotta pull your white woman out. Yeah, like, yeah. That's the thing. Like, we can't even say we can complain without being perceived as an angry black woman. We have to now pull out our angry white woman. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, that, that uh, the, all of these things add to this uh, this this discrepancy and and like like you said, the quality of care uh, between um, you know uh, black people and white people. And I, I mean, you know, uh, it's stuff I don't like. To, you know, I don't want to stay on that too long, but it's something that definitely needs to be discussed and and. And looked at in depth. I, I do want to ask before we move on from that topic. Um, uh, so, uh, well, I guess you kind of answered it already. But well, I, I will say in the in the doula, in the profession of being a doula, um, what have you what have you seen like uh, that was just egregious? Like, what have you seen anything that was just like, oh my goodness, what do you like? And you know, it wouldn't happen if it was a white person as opposed to, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think a prime example is my client that pain. Um, my my favorite example is another client who, um, okay, privacy. Here we go, privacy, privacy. Okay, got it. Okay, so yeah, yeah, you got to form it in a way where you're not giving anybody <laughs> stuff. You know, as a, as a matter of fact, you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. Do you want to move on or you got it? Okay, I, I trust you too. I feel like you got it.
before the pandemic, before the pandemic, mm-hmm. she had she has a few other kids, and they had a babysitter lined up for when the baby when the baby came. The babysitter didn't answer the phone because you know baby babies only are born at three a.m. Right, right. They only are born at three a.m. So right. the babysitter didn't answer the phone when they called. She was nowhere to be found. They couldn't find her, so they had to bring the kids with them. Mm-hmm. So. But they can't be like the, the you can't you can't have you know children running around the living room. You can't. The mom right. can't focus. So the dad had to take the kids into the other room, which means that now it's me and the birthing mom, and that's it. So what the nurses would see when they would walk in was me and a single mom. So the comments, <laughs> the comments of, oh, how, how what what number baby is this? Oh, this and it was, it was our fourth kid. Oh, this is number four. So in their mind, they're seeing a single mom of four of four kids. Right. Instead of your husband is in the other room with the other three kids. Right, right. Yeah. So there were some comments that came out of his mouth. And I think around the second or third one, I was like, okay, guess what? Her husband's actually in there. Right. Oh, I didn't mean you did mean. Right. Yeah. What you said, you did mean it. And it came out exactly how you meant it and how you perceived it. And if this had been a white woman, you would have assumed that her husband was somewhere away on business. Right, right. Somewhere otherwise indisposed. You would not have, first of all, she's wearing a wedding in her hand. Like, you you would not have assumed that she was a single mom of four kids. You wouldn't have done that. Right. So, there's your example, Daniel. That's crazy. Yeah, my goodness. And yeah, just the car blind to even take that moment. Like like you said, she's in one of the most vulnerable moments. And you just like, oh, well, you know, that, that's crazy. You don't know what to say. Right, right. So, so yeah, that's the last thing. Like I said, I don't want to harp because we all get mad and go beat up some white people. But I do want to, <laughs> so I want you to, <laughs> I want you to uh, talk to, <laughs> no, what'd you say? John, you know John Johnson. Yeah, 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 that's the home. John, John, and I, John and I were best friends for like a long time. Um, John and I used to have his song. Um, <laughs> he, it was his song, not mine. Like he goes, it's his song, not mine. <laughs> the song would go, kill the white people. <laughs> it was literally, it was literally a song about kill all the white people and the dolphins. Don't ask. And the dolphins, because those dolphins, dolphins got to go. Well, don't worry, no no white people watch us, and I don't think any dolphins can get to I'll just blame it up. <laughs> Listen. But moving on from that um, interesting topic, uh, I do want to ask you, like, so um, if you could start, like, talking to pregnant women who are going into the situation, like, if it's any one thing, you know, without giving away too much, because they got to, you know, hire you for those services. But if it's anything that you just want women to know, like, to take with them into the birthing, um, you, you, and uh, besides the, uh, that you can say no, because that's the, one of the main things that you said. But if, if you could talk to pregnant women. What would you say um, to them? Well, first of all, I would say you you need a doula. You need a doula. So you think you don't. I know you think it's an expense that you can go without. You need a doula. In these times of the maternal health crisis we are in, you need someone in your corner who is who is biased, who is who is you know who's on your side, but can go into the birth room and, and negotiate. Like you would go, you would, you wouldn't go into a courtroom without a lawyer. Don't right. go into the birth room. That'll do it. Right. Um, and also, also, I would, I would recommend to everyone that to take a child birth class and even like a child 
there, this new vocabulary word for you, Dave. I'm attracting, so I'm typing it in right now. Attracting, it's like the, the transition from, you know, the transition into motherhood. And that transition can be shocking. And uh, it's, a, it's a thing where you go from, ah, what is this? And now you're responsible to this person, not to mention you're exhausted. But you just, you just were up there for three days giving birth to it. And right. now you have to, you know, take care of it. And if you don't have, like, the background knowledge of, like, how to care for this person, how to breastfeed it, how to keep it alive, or how to hold it, you, 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 you should always go to a, a, a class before you give birth because the birth is a big thing, but also now you have to keep this thing alive. Right, right. So, so also uh, child care classes. Yeah, child care, child care uh, classes will, will definitely help you. And, and the, the resources are out there. Like YouTube is a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so many women... Uh, these, I was just going to say so many women uh, nowadays kind of lose that connection or have lost that connection between themselves. Because, you know, there was a time when you were going to give birth and your mother would just come stay with you for some months and pass all this information, just as she did with, like, uh, you know, some of the other things that uh, were um, are now considered negative gender roles. But anyway, we won't get into all that. But no, but, uh, but you know, things like cooking and things, stuff like that. But um you know, or just things about womanhood and being a woman that parents will pass on. And it's such a break in that connection now that you need, like, you know, uh, you kind of need classes to a certain extent. And there's even things that, that that weren't taught through that process that needs to be learned through. So, yeah, I definitely agree with the, the, ne the necessity of uh, classes because so many people, you know, I think, like you said, uh, people look at the, the birthing process and try to learn as much as they can about that because that's the thing. And I think, you know, pain is, an, is, is, a, is a great motivator. And so you see how painful it can be. And so you want to learn as much about it so you know what to do and how to move your hips and all this to get it. But, uh, but then you see, you know, the, the, the process of raising a child. You know, like, oh, people do that every day. Oh, people fail at it every day horribly. And so any information that you can get, uh, will be helpful. And I love, you know, it's interesting to me. And I had this conversation with a friend of mine. Uh, it had to be a year ago now where people always be like, well, there's no manual. There's no book that tells you what to do when you raise a child. There kind of are some books out there. There's a lot of books on raising kids. <laughs> kind of, kind of books, actually. There's a few of them, you know, and, and not only books, there are people like doulas and, uh, you know, people who teach, um, you know, uh, uh, child-rearing classes with that wealth of knowledge that uh, that can help you. So, not saying that it's easy, and not saying that they even have all the answers, but any information in that type of situation seems like it will be uh, helpful. And so, that's my uh, two cents. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I was just, you know, rounded right out to the to the uh, to the minute of twelve thirty. I can say uh, thank you so much. It's always a good time when you come through. Um, you know, uh, we also have uh, our co-host Patrice, who's with us. Uh, but sometimes she has things going on too. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna call on you at some point to join us and host with me, because um, yeah, because you are awesome, and I like your uh, you know your energy. We have good chemistry, so I think that uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna hit you. I'll, yeah, I'll hit you up uh, sometime this week, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. But uh, but uh, until that time, thank you so much again for joining us, for giving us your uh, your expertise, your information, for blowing my mind with talking about taking the placenta and the pills. And I'll look into that too. You know, that's um, like I 
I don't want to say I've never heard of it, but it's uh it's interesting just to hear somebody who has that wealth of knowledge. Because you know, when you hear something like that, it seems more like something like um uh for lack of a better term, like uh, archaic or barbaric like practice, like uh like the female um uh circumcision and stuff like things that they don't really do anymore because it's so right. I mean like well, I mean, but it's it's more frowned upon, and this, but there are there are civilizations that still do stuff like that. But it's more like seen as something, and so, but I guess it's more of the uh, the connotations that come with it. Like I said, when you hear like ingesting the placenta, you like, you know, and that's weird. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but taking it in pill form and the um, you know the benefits that it can actually have, like that's the first time. Like you telling me, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone say other than like the um uh the the spiritual connection and things like that that people draw with it but to actually have physical you know uh, uh ramifications or effects on the quality of your child's life and things like that that's so interesting and i think i learned something every time you come hang out with us so i appreciate that from you talk about still yeah yeah definitely you know circumcising these boys you don't have to do it that's the whole thing too it's like it was a you know uh yeah so yeah, there's a lot going on that's um yeah but anyway uh so <laughs> thank you again i just keep saying that because uh you're dope and it's uh always good to talk to you uh on behalf of myself super dave aka mr incredible uh my co-host aisha who's kind of here i think and uh and uh, <laughs> uh the awesome Aaron Clark, thank you guys so much for checking out another episode of the Neighbors Livecast. We'll be back next week with more information, more education, and more fun. Y'all be safe. Have a good one. And get a doula. Everybody needs a doula. Everybody needs a doula. Get a doula. If you don't have one and you don't know any, holler at Erin. She's available. Where can they find you if somebody needs a doula? I'm on Instagram at doula, D-O-U-L-A-E-A-C. I'm also, you can email me at gmail, doulaeac at gmail.com. I'm available. I have a beautiful Instagram page, lots of pretty pictures of me. Yes, yes. I was looking at doulaeac. I couldn't think of it for the because I didn't tag you in the last one. I was going to tag you in the post. And I was like, where is it? I was typing in, uh, you know, Aaron Clark, Aaron Alex. I was typing in all that. So I was looking and I found a bunch of. EAC. Okay, EAC. Oh, gotcha. I refer to myself as the EAC. It's a long story. Doula EAC. Doula EAC. All right. Well, y'all heard it here. You know, holler at her if you need a doula. And even if you don't holler at her, get a doula. Just have one on retainer like I'm going to do. And uh, yeah, have it ready for when, when it's time to get one. But uh, y'all have a great week. Take care of yourselves and each other. And peace.